0: Uh, Pastor Trevor here at Good News United Methodist Church here in Cedar Park. Uh, I'm hanging out with Austin Taylor, our worship leader, and uh, Pastor David McMinn from Rockbridge, just down What's the road. Up? Uh, Hello. This That was so mellow of you, Austin. Uh, this this morning we want to kind of talk about uh, every Thursday we're trying to set some time to how to how to survive, how to thrive during uh, social distancing, and so, uh, one of the topics we're talking about this morning is uh, passion of especially David, but I think all three of us kind of uh, play around in this area. Is that right, guys?
1: I definitely uh, I would say I'm a big board game guy, I really enjoy it, have enjoyed it for years, uh, and it's one of my favorite ways to connect with other people.
2: Yeah, I would say it's probably past passion, leaning on obsession at this point for me. Uh, If you come to my house, you'll see that I have stacks upon stacks upon stacks of board games. An interesting story. I haven't verified this, but I think that my board game playing actually led to Austin's board game playing because I had a youth named uh, Zach Ebner, who I taught to him, Settlers of Catan, and then Zach Ebner went to the Texas Wesley. And I can't prove this, but somewhere around that time, Rusty, who was the director of the the Texas Wesley, started playing Settlers of Catan. And then Austin, when did you get to the Texas Wesley?
1: I got to the Texas Wesley in 2014. And at that point, uh, you're right, Rusty, the the director at the time, uh, he was pretty obsessed with Catan. And so uh, that was actually probably, yeah, that probably was my intro to some, you could call it serious board gaming I had done plenty of board games before, but around that time, we started staying up till two a.m. freaking every night playing Catan. So, yeah, uh, I, it might have might have been my intro because of you, huh? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's, see, there's a it's like a, the Kevin
2: Bacon game, six degrees of separation, only with board games. <laughs>
0: <laughs> David, how many board games do you think you own at this moment?
2: So before Aurora went back, we were like, we've got to play every board game at least once. And of the ones that I would actually play, I mean, my, my uh, wife has a game from her childhood called Mall Madness, and <laughs> I don't really count that. Uh, but the games I actually play, it's, it's 80
0: plus at this point. So you played all 80 with your exchange student, Aurora, um, before she left?
2: Yeah, I think, I think we may have missed a couple, but yes, we played all 80 games um, at least once while she was here because often that's what and and it's a great thing for for our family michelle really enjoys board games and so she will she and i will play after the the little ones go and we'll play with sophie and amelia too uh sophie really likes board games amelia doesn't quite keep her attention yet but we'll after the kids go to bed we'll pull out a board game and and play and and we did that with aurora a lot almost i wouldn't wouldn't say every night was either watch a netflix show or or play a board game
0: So I think, uh, I think we're kind of seeing a rise in like a love for board games, right? Like uh, maybe a golden age for board games. In fact, they're kind of, I don't know what you call them, restaurants that kind of pop up and have board games and do coffee or wine and beer. Um, Why do you, why are we kind of in this golden age or what, what has kind of spurred that deal thing?
1: Well, I mean, my original thought is is someone that does play video games is that a lot of people that in the past might have considered video games as a way to connect with people have realized that board games have a certain amount of functionality in in presence. Uh, I I know a lot of people in my generation and, and definitely even beyond that that want to be physically with someone enjoying their time. And so... Uh, I do think that there is something to be said about sitting next to the people that you're playing games with and connecting with them. I think it's a great excuse to get people together while still remaining competitive and fun. Um, And I think that the diversity of board games as the development of them has expanded and there's a lot more people making board games, the styles... And genres have really expanded to the point where you can experience basically any level of complexity and any style of board game over almost any theme. So really, there's something for everyone within board games right now that would make it fun for them. So it gives people a lot of uh, a lot of ability to customize their experience, so to speak, and make it something where everyone's going to have a good time.
2: There's a lot of nostalgia too, and it's it's interesting to see they're remaking a lot of old video games or old movies or even old board games. And so there's a lot of nostalgia, but yeah, I think that the games the quality of the board games have improved. And I think my uh, reason for playing board games has changed over time. It used to be, I just wanted to crush my opponents and show my, uh, mental dominance. And, and I was, he started desire. playing
1: with me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, yeah, I've been struggling to beat Austin in board games as, as is Trevor.
0: Um, Okay, we don't have to bring up my losing record on anything during this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, but, but as, as I've gotten older, it's just the sheer enjoyment in the community. Um, I like to be in community, but to have purpose, I, you know, I'm not, I, I love hanging out and talking to people, but I, I'd much rather hang out and talk over a board game than just hang out and talk. So, but uh, yeah, I think that one of the reasons that the, as far as the golden age is the quality is really good and people are, are realizing in this disconnected world because of social media and all that, we still want to connect in person. And, and so there's a real draw there.
0: Uh, yeah, I totally agree. But I, I wonder sometimes if our board games still kind of, um, uh, a niche culture or kind of, uh, an alternative culture or, cause we're not just talking about monopoly or risk anymore with board games. Right. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, so I think have it, you seen, do you think board games have moved kind of in the mainstream? And um, what, what I guess, impact have you seen on kind of your friendships and that type of stuff with that?
2: Well, I'm, I'm a, a board game uh, evangelist, if you will. So I tend to introduce people to these better board games. And I think that's a large part of it. They move towards the mainstream. I would still say it's still niche to a certain degree. But I think as you get younger, maybe towards Austin age, that it's becoming more um, commonplace. I was going to use the word ubiquitous, but then I was like, eh, uh, maybe I shouldn't use that. But uh, it's more, uh, I don't, ubiquitous. Uh,
1: <laughs> what a seminary word. Oh my gosh, you. I
2: know, I know. I hate it. Um, but uh, what, what do you think, Austin? Is it—is it becoming like, it, would your average person in your generation know, like say, settlers of Catan?
1: So, yeah, I think uh, as, as popular as it was in the college community I was a part of, I really don't think everyone played it. Uh, and that's mostly because people usually have, like you said, an evangelist that leads them to it. Someone that's really obsessed with board games that really likes it. Someone like you or me uh, <laughs> that, that kind of guides them into uh, the world and expose them to it. And, of course, not everyone's going to latch on to the board game that someone invites them to play. And so I knew a lot of people that because they had a bad experience with Catan didn't end up actually playing any other board games. Um, which, which to me is kind of sad because again, I think people think that board games right now still are monopoly and risk. Like you said, Trevor. And, uh, and when you, when your first exposure is a game like Catan, which can be a little bit intimidating for certain people that don't have a lot of experience with board games. Um, Especially because we used to always play an expansion that uh, was a lot more fun, I think, than the base game, but also provided some more complexity. Um, it's it's easy for you to feel like you just walked in, knew nothing, got crushed, didn't have fun, and uh, you know, like then you just, what are you going to do from there? Of course, you're not going to play any other board games. Right. So I think that the biggest thing that I see culturally is that people are open to playing board games and exploring that more than they were before because other people are excited about it and really getting a lot out of it. But I don't think it's something that is quite yet like the mainstream, everyone that's, I'm 25, everyone that's 25 is playing board games right now or anything like that. But I do think that people, if you were to invite them to do it, most people nowadays would say yes. Whereas before they might've been like, why would I want to play a board game?
0: Are you saying like when, David was in college. Like board game night is probably not what people did on Friday night.
1: Uh, man, I, don't, I can't think back. I don't. I wasn't born when David was in college, probably. <laughs> so. I mean.
0: Yeah, no, it was it was definitely
2: go to the bar. But uh, <laughs> I, I had a I, I had a core group of friends. This is also going to nerd me out a little bit, but um, my group of friends, it was Dungeons and Dragons in college. So <laughs> maybe I'm not the best example. This- of, but-
0: and and this is a legitimate question. Have yeah. things like Dungeons and Dragons and uh, that D and D or Magic: The Gathering, um, those cultures, have they kind of infiltrated? Is not the right word, but maybe kind of pushed board games into the mainstream.
2: I think I think that's part of it. When I was a kid, if if you even played video games, you know you were considered a quote unquote nerd. Um, it, unless it was a sports game, right? Everyone could play sports games, but if you played something else, uh, you were considered a nerd. And and so we've seen this the this uh, rise of the nerd over the past twenty years, where it's almost cool to be into stuff like that. And and I do think that that has played a huge role into uh, into that. It, another kind of funny story: when I was a youth director, I taught some of my students D and D, and it was really interesting because. It wasn't just the you know, the kids that didn't have anything else to do that were playing. It was like some of the football players and all this. And so they got really excited about D D and it created this this D and D culture at McNeil High School where like this huge chunk of the population at this high school was were all playing D, like football players, basketball players, cheerleaders, like guys, girls. Uh, and I kind of like set it set the ball rolling, but it was it was really fascinating to watch that the acceptance of, you know, when I was in high school, like I said, video games weren't even cool versus nowadays or at that period, this is around 2009, they were able to play Dungeons and Dragons and and people think that was a cool thing to do. So, and I think that has continued into board games as well.
0: I think there's a fascination uh, with kind of um, thinking strategically Mm -hmm. and learning the different strategies of the different games. And, um, I think that's where my fasc- fascination, um, is with board games is knowing kind of the mechanics of how the game works and, um, okay. I'll just call myself out. Cause Boston would call me out if, uh, but wanting to kind of win, um, but not just winning because of winning, but because I knew the strategy or the, how, how to work the game, if that makes sense
1: are you saying it's like a puzzle for you to solve the best solution that, mm-hmm. to optimize the game experience for you? Give you the best shot at winning
0: hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Okay. I definitely yeah, I, would disagree with that from my experience, but <laughs> that makes sense with everything I know about you, Trevor.
2: <laughs> I'm the same way, Trevor. And, and I, that's, that's absolutely what I love and I don't ever want to read. And I do the same thing with video games. I don't want to read strategy guides. Cause part of the fun of it for me is to figure that out on my own rather yep. than, um, then have someone tell me the strategy. Um, and, and I think that that's a different. That's not all people, you know, um, people want to come up and, uh, and they just want to play where for me, part of it is I see it as a puzzle to, to be unlocked.
0: Yeah. Knowing how the mechanics all work in the whole game and, um, just how things build upon each other and all of that, that that's a fascination. Uh, I wish people could see your face right now, Austin, because you seem dumbfounded by my passion for board games. Or it's my not, reason
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm Dumbfounded by your passion for board games. You clearly <laughs> love board games so much more than me. Um, yeah. no, no, I, so I why,
0: just, why do you love board games then, Austin?
1: Because it's an immersive experience. It's fun to, to say, you know what, today... I'm just going to go be like there's a game called King of Tokyo that I don't know if we'll discuss or not, but you get to be a Godzilla monster basically fighting. And it's a cartoon kind of thing. But, you know, it's like I'm a cartoon Godzilla monster fighting my friends who are other cartoon Godzilla. Like, that's fun for me. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, like a game called Clank, which is uh, I I got to introduce David two weeks ago. But that game, you're spelunking to as an adventurer to like steal gold from a dragon and treasure. And stuff. like that's like that's cool for me just feel like i'm stepping into that space first i know it's not real obviously but to feel like i get to just have the fun of experiencing what that would be like in a way that's also got a rule sets that's designed to make the experience challenging and also fun like to me that's that's kind of a hands on just walk in and have some fun and then leave you know exit the space after so, that
0: so, that's that. like a creative person um, playing with the imagination and that kind of creativity kind of that sparks the fire for you rather than knowing the mechanics of the strategy
1: totally I mean obviously mechanics is a game are important because the mechanics are there to make it challenging but also to make it fun so you know how to play and you have the capacity to do certain things but uh, I mean for me I've got to enjoy the theme of the of the game first because if I enjoy the theme of the game, then it literally does not matter how I do. I just get to explore the game and have fun with it. And I think Trevor, you're shaking your head. Are are you upset with this? Because why are you upset about this? <laughs> you're, you're laughing at me. No,
0: no that, it, that just describes our personality. I wish people could know kind of our working relationship where <laughs> um, I'm always in it to like do the best. And it's always plan, strategy and all, all of this. Right. Um and Austin sometimes is like, let's just enjoy the moment and this is like just take a deep breath. You don't have to always be kind of thinking ten steps ahead of yeah, what that is true. Of where we are.
1: We're um, all playing checkers and drivers playing chess.
2: <laughs> so uh I think that this also speaks to why board games are so fun for so many different people is and I'm a little bit of Austin and a little bit of Trevor, but there's so many different ways to enjoy them. You know, Trevor enjoys them for the challenge. You enjoy them for being able to to be um, different people. And I, I love that too. And, and I think if we got three other people in here, they would have maybe even different reasons. And so all of us can be enjoying the same game and loving it for a different reason, which is one of the reasons that makes board games compelling.
1: True. Well for said.
2: For sure.
0: What... Growing up, did y'all play board games? Um, And if so, what was maybe the first board game that you remember playing? Is it still in your favorites? All of that.
2: So I have kind of an interesting story. My dad, uh, he would, we would play checkers together and started out when I first was, came into their home and he never would let me win. And so he and I would play checkers and I would cry. He would just crush me and I would cry. And he would crush me again and I would cry until one day I finally figured out the strategy to beat him. And um, I finally figured out the strategy to beat him and he never beat me at checkers again. And so (laughs) that was kind of my first entry to to board games. Uh, Also had, um, you know, Monopoly. I remember playing that with my brother. And then my best friend in high school, we played Risk. And we would have these epic, just the two of us, epic games of Risk that would last for days upon end. We just leave the board out. And Risk is still one of my favorite games, probably of the American style games, the probably the only the one only one I would still play, unless you know people would just beg me to play Monopoly or something. So uh, that <laughs> that's been kind of my adventure on board games from a, from childhood.
1: Yeah, for me, I, I had a similar experience. Uh, I remember for sure playing uh, playing Risk and having a lot of fun with that. I had this. Strategy where I had to control the Kamchatka region of Russia, and that was just like my thing that I had fun with was fighting the entire. I didn't care about anything else. I just wanted to have Kamchatka, and it was just an eccentric. I was the
2: same with Mongolia. There we go. The, the there Mongolia's we go.
1: That would take over the world. I will say Kamchatka was more defensible in that game than Mongolia. Probably I had a better strategy to it, but <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> it, no. the guy not working out the strategy of the game. I, I think. Just,
2: I think we're gonna have to have a uh, a Zoom risk game, uh,
0: Austin.
1: We're settling it, especially because we're both Kamchatka and Mongolia are almost next to each other, so this is gonna go great. Um,
0: yeah, I'll control the rest of the world while y'all just fight over there. <laughs> we're sitting
1: in we're sitting in central and northern northeastern Asia, just duking it out while Trevor's just oh I'll just take the Americas. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, definitely had a lot of fun with risk. Um, and I definitely, uh, the, the other board game you could say was chess. And to this day, I love chess. But chess was the one where my my dad had a special gift for throwing games. And I'm sure any parent understands, like, you know, you, you make it so that it's, you know, like they're having fun. They're winning, you know, your kid. You have a little fun with them at times. Um, but you give them a chance. My dad was ruthless in everything, in only chess. He was so good at throwing games and everything else. But he told me outright, I will never go easy on you in chess. (laughs) And he would literally slam down the pieces and just yell, check, checkmate. Oh, goodbye to your queen. Nope, no more like it was and i was like dad i'm five uh so it was it was a great experience obviously but uh that was where i really saw the competitiveness of uh of board games and to this day i love chess and i still play chess a lot and really i I watch chess tournaments like it's it's really nerdy of me but um and the last thing is that i played a lot of card games as a kid Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of trading and collectible card games uh, a lot of uh I played Pokemon trading card game. I played the Yu-Gi-Oh! card game. I played uh, a lot of Magic the Gathering as well. Um, and card games also have a real special... I And if we end up talking about favorite board games and stuff like that, I'm not sure exactly what's on the list. But um, uh, you will hear, I, I have a lot of games that involve cards that I enjoy.
2: Yeah, I, I, I one of my fondest memories is going to the card shop with my older brother, Ray, to get Magic the Gathering cards. It just... It was... I don't know something special about us. Justine and I it was not too long after he got his license. So, what about you, Trevor? What are what are your some of your earliest memories and some of your favorites?
0: Uh, so, growing up, my my dad's parents lived in Illinois, uh, but they would come down in an RV down to Texas and uh, go down to the valley during the winter. Uh, but then during the summer, they would kind of just pick me up, um, and we would just go on a road trip for ten days, two weeks, whatever it may be, and uh, that's how grandpa and I would pass the time a lot would be to play board games. Um, awesome. We'd play anything from checkers and chess to uh, stuff like rummy cube, uh, um, cribbage. Uh, that, that's kind of where my love of games uh, started. And um, it's just been, I mean, my, de- my grandpa had a life the game uh, set from the 60s that we played. And that was that was cool to me uh, to kind of spin, spin the little spinner and that type stuff. Um,
2: And I I love the game. I usually don't like games that don't have a lot of strategy, but maybe it's the what Austin is talking about. The game of life is one of like pretending to be somebody else is so much fun.
1: Everyone's coming around to Austin's way of playing board games now. huh?
0: See, the problem with life for me now, the last few times I've played it, I've ended up with like 37 kids and had to take like six different cars to tote my kids around. Um,
1: Yeah, and you end up as like a professional cat herder, you know, like (laughs) getting paid two grand a year kind of thing.
0: Hashtag millennial probs, right? Oh, Um, man. (laughs) So I guess um, one of the questions I have about games are if – David, you you are a self proclaimed uh, board game evangelist. Uh, if I if I think of board games only as Monopoly and Risk and some of these other things, uh, what are maybe a what's a I don't want to say gateway game? That sounds that's bad. what they call them. Um, what's kind of a good entry level game that you would share with people uh, to kind of experience what? the board gaming culture is like now?
2: Yeah. Uh, first of all, I've tried to find games that you can explain in five to 10 minutes. So it's, it can be a huge barrier if you're spending 30 minutes explaining a game. And so if you can explain the game in five to 10 minutes and then play it in less than an hour, preferably 30 minutes um, so that people can get their feet wet and they don't feel like if they do, if they are getting crushed, like Austin was talking about that, it's not a miserable experience that goes on and on forever. Catan is usually used as a gateway game and it's great for some people, but I don't think it's a great one um, because it does take about an hour and a half and the rules are fairly simple, but the complexity, it takes a while to learn the strategy and, and it's really easy to get crushed if, if people aren't being kind. Uh, one of the ones that, that we found that very successful. I'll, I'll mention two games and I'd love to hear which any games that y'all have thought about. Um, one of them is, um, Oh, dang it. We just caught the train game. Gosh darn Ticket it. Ticket to ride. Ticket to ride. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a simple game. It's fun. It's engaging. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. It's fairly easy to explain. And another one, ironically, is Pandemic. Uh, now, you have to be careful with Pandemic because um, if you get someone who's really bossy, <clears throat> Trevor, uh, you know, you might get a player who knows what they're doing and they're just telling everyone else what to do the whole time. But it's nice because it's cooperative it's easy. It's fairly easy to explain and it's repetitive. So that the turns are fairly sim, similar over time. So those are some of my favorite games to play with people. Um, a newer one that we just got is Machi Koro, uh, which is a fun game where you're building a little town and it's, it's a lot of fun. So those are some of my favorites. What about, what about you guys?
1: Well, uh, I happen to love cooperative games. Um, mm-hmm. and also I love card games. And so, uh, uh there's not all the ones I'm about to say are cooperative but uh some of them have teams and things like that as well uh i happen to think that um if you're willing to have one person read the rule book uh there's a game called Sentinels of the Multiverse it's a cooperative game where you play a team of superheroes that are fighting supervillains um and the the supervillains are kinda automated. So they have a set thing that they do with and it's all these cards, so you draw from their deck, so it's random what they do, but it's only so many things. Um and it's very straightforward and it's a way for you to work together and you can talk strategy together and feel like you're working as a team with the people you're with. And I found it's a great game for de-escalation in the middle of a really intense board game night when things are getting really heated. Um, And then also, uh, there's another one that I really enjoy called Bang, where it's an old Western where you have cards and you are shooting at other people and stuff like that. It's just this old Western shootout kind of thing. Uh, So you literally sit in a circle, basically, and just uh, pretend to shoot at each other and stuff, um, which is pretty fun. And the the games are really quick, so you can get a lot in and you can really feel like you're learning the game and not just... uh, and and not just sitting there with an in in defeat over and over again, you get a new chance all the time. And there's another one I really enjoy called secret Hitler, which is, uh, basically, uh, it's, it's a game where you're pretending that there's, there's secret fascists in the middle of this democracy. And then there's Hitler in the middle of democracy. And you're trying to, you're, you're trying to root out who the fascists and who Hitler are. And, uh, and you're trying to kill Hitler. um, to win this the game sounds
0: like the amazon prime uh tv series right now hunters i'm just saying have y'all seen it
2: i have not we saw the first two episodes uh, i'm into it michelle is not quite so
1: into it just because it can be so gruesome
0: yeah it's a little graphic but it sounds similar to secret hitler
1: yeah it's just uh it's just not graphic because it's a board game but uh so maybe if you, it's it's a little bit more kid friendly maybe i don't know um yeah but the the point of it is just it's it's a lying and deception game. So you have people that are pretending to be pretending to be the good guys am, amidst the whole group of of people. And you have to figure out who's who, who's what. And all the while votes are happening to vote for fascist and dem- democratic policies and stuff like that. It's very easy, very quick to learn. And it's a lying and deception game, so it's really fun. You can play it in really big groups if you have a lot of people that want you want to engage with. Um, and so, and we've had we've had nights where we've had twelve people over to my apartment before just to play Secret Hitler, and it's mm-hmm. super super fun. And you just get a lot of people yelling at each other. No one trusts each other at the end of the night. It's super fun.
2: Have you ever played Werewolf? Uh, or there was a card game I used to play with my youth group called Mafia. Yeah. Um, we- that's another yep. fun one. That's a good party game that you can introduce people and it's not complicated and you just, they get a card and it tells them if they're either a werewolf or a villager. And it's a similar kind of thing. It's a lying game. Uh, pastors talking about lying games. I don't, I don't know how to go with that, but, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's <laughs> no, very it's social, There's some really great social games out there too.
0: Like that.
1: Well, what is it, Trevor, what do you say? Revelations 22,
0: 21, eight,
1: 21, eight. That's right. Liars are going to hell. So, no, uh, um, I think it's okay in this context for fun. But.
0: So I've got kind of a maybe two-pronged question here uh, is how how can we do board games in, in the midst of social distancing, right? Um, and what are ways that maybe we could, if we do them, um, that they could help us kind of, I don't know, come together in the midst of not being able to, actually be together.
1: Well, uh, let me, let me, I'll, I'll jump in first. I think some of the pros include, uh, if you have kids and you're running out of things to do, you can play board games. Yes. Uh, that's one, that's one thing. And if you teach some of the board games and it's, if it's a game they can play amongst themselves or by themselves, then that's even better. Cause then if you want, that's entertainment for them uh which
0: is it's good for them it's good
1: for you what's that
0: you have recommendations for board games for an 18 month old
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh no i wish i'm sorry (laughs) uh
0: i
2: haven't found that that kids under the age of five and i would almost say even eight sophie might be able to play a game but i just don't even know if i'd want to let her touch my stuff not because I I would they just don't put them away. That's that's my big problem. Or they lose pieces. So there is a trick to learning that when they're mature enough that they can play or get games that are good that you don't care if they lose their pieces. You know,
0: Candy so. Land is always
1: an
2: option. Yes. Oh,
1: Ooh, I played a lot of Candy Land in my experience. That and Shoots and Ladders. Oh my gosh. Snakes and Ladders, so whichever bad. one, whatever <laughs> variation you played. Um, yeah. Uh, and. So, uh, I think that's one benefit. Also, I think it's good to, uh, when, when you're locked in a house with people, uh, not actually locked, but when you can't leave cause of quarantine and all that stuff, stay at home orders, I think it's, it can be good maybe to, I don't want to say get the aggression out, but it's, it's fun to duke it out a little bit over board games and feel like there's some competition that's healthy and constructive and directed, um, so I think it's a good way to, because it's fun all at the same time. And so it's a way to reframe emotions that you might have over uh, being stuck into making, into making the most out of these situations with the people that you're stuck with. Um, rather than letting emotions boil over in any way or, uh, or feeling like you're trapped, instead you're getting to do something together and come together in a unique way.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think one of the issues uh, in, in many in many ways is that you are stuck in this house with the same people over and over again. And, uh, you know, being, being able to use your creativity to be someone different or to be able to experience a different world or activity is amazing. And uh, kids can participate. You know, I've, I've taught kids as young as five, four and five to play really not just kid board games, but um, more adult board games. Like Sophie can play almost any board game that we can play. And, and that's nice too, because then you're not just having to play Candyland again and again. And then you're, you can play uh ticket to, to ride. Like our kids can play tickets to to ride and uh, you can play these games that are actually fun for you. And so you're actually having fun with your kids, you know, rather than being miserable, like, Oh, I'm just doing this. And and there is a sense as a parent, you do things like that, but it's also rewarding when you enjoy it and they enjoy it. And it's just this great family time. Uh, as far as how to play them digitally, I think that's going to be a challenge. There are some of the great board games uh, that you can play online through a digital version, but, you know, part of the the pill is to get away from our screens for a little bit. So I would be really interested to see, you know, Trevor was just talking uh, via the chat about doing a, uh, a virtual board game session. I'd love to try it just to figure out what, what kind of games are, are really good for that and what uh, maybe what games aren't and, see how it works and i'd rather not just play the digital version of the board game on my phone with you i'd rather play like a physical board game that we're somehow zoom chatting it um my uh good friend travis and uh his son played risk with uh travis's father just like yesterday so um i think it's doable for sure
1: yeah uh i'll add in on the digital side of things that um i have i I wish i had done more research on this but um i there is something called tabletop simulator that is Uh supposed to be a a video game where you're able to go in with other people and see a virtual board game and there's a huge apparently a huge selection of board games that you can choose um and so it, it it I don't think it will ever mimic the experience of physically being around in the presence of someone. Like David said, that's an important part of the experience. But I have heard that that's an option for people that are, if you're wanting to play with someone that's really far away or something like that. I mean, as someone that plays video games, I definitely have friends that live across the country. And so uh, that's a solution for those kinds of contexts for sure when it's impossible. But I also agree that it is probably best to just be in person with someone if possible. Although I know it's hard right now.
0: For sure. Well, do y'all have any kind of parting thoughts that we haven't covered? Uh, I know we're running a little long today, so I just want to, any other comments or. um...
2: Yeah, I, I would say if you're interested, um, you know, of course, do talk to one of us, uh, but there's so many, we didn't get to talk about the different styles of board games, and there's so many things out there, so many different styles of board games, so many ways of playing, there's choose-your-own-adventure games, there's campaign games, there's legacy games, and the story continues over time, and so really, just there's something for everyone, uh, no matter what you like, unless there are those people who just do not like games, right, that's not they're just not built to play games, so just go out there and explore, and, and find a game that you like, and a theme that you like, and and do it and
1: it's you'll you'll be blessed by it yeah and i'd add uh just i would say don't put too much pressure on the experience when you do it um because odds are you're gonna find a board game you don't connect with and it may not be the first time hopefully it's not the first time but if it is the first time just know that like david said you know if if there's if you can find uh a board game that you really enjoy the purpose of off the bat and the theme of and find enjoyment in that first, then I think that'll give you a lot of freedom to be wrong, so to speak of, about your own taste. because if you haven't explored this, it's hard to know what do I like? What do I not like? Um, Cause it's such an immersive, huge world out there nowadays for board games. So I'd say just don't be afraid to be wrong about your first selection.
0: We're going to close with this. What are your top three board games that you would play with someone right now?
2: Before before I answer that, I just want to say you did mention um, Emerald Tavern in Austin and where you can go and try out games. Um, yeah. The, or, or also uh, Dragon's Lair where you, they have a big selection. So that's that's a really cool thing that you don't have to go buy. You can go try some and then see which ones you like. So Austin, what are your top three favorites while I think about that?
1: Ooh, okay. Uh, I'd say probably my number one would be Sentinels of the Multiverse. I just really love co-op games, and I love getting to uh, to introduce people to them alongside them instead of them feeling like their competitor is introducing them to it. Uh, I'd also say I really enjoy Catan. Uh, I've, I haven't played in a while. The Cities and Nights expansion, in my opinion, is one of the most fun board games of all time, um, and so I would really love to play that. And then I'd probably add in in Betrayal at House on the Hill, which is a horror game um, that's really fun, where basically it's four people in a house exploring this haunted house, and then at some point someone betrays you. And so it's fun to figure out who's going to be the traitor this time and all that.
2: I'm going to go with Risk Legacy, which is the Risk game, and it has an unfolding story as you go, which is just a ton of fun to... Uh, do that with the, the same group of people over and over again. And I'm obsessed with legacy games. So that one was the first one that I did. And so it's special. Uh, there's another one called uh, Seven Wonders, which is really fun. Everyone plays at the same time. And so there's no downtime and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's simple. It's actually a really simple game, but <clears throat> the rules make it look really complicated. Although it's, just, it's not. And so it's just like kind of explain the basics and jump in. And the third one is a new one that I've got, which is actually a remake of a classic board game i'm a big sci-fi nerd and uh so the theme really matters to me i like to play games that i'm excited about the theme and so there's a a book series called dune and not doom but dune about a desert planet and this is uh, a board game called dune and it's got six factions and they all play differently and which is really fun and so we always and i play that with austin and, and trevor that was one of the games that Austin, uh, unfortunately destroyed us on, uh, when he played with us and it's really fun and you get to play as these different factions that have a different way to play.
0: So those are probably my top three right now.
1: How about you, Trevor? Top three.
0: Uh, it's not technically a board game, but I do love a good game of dominion, which is, um, more of a card, a deck building game. Um, that is a lot of strategy with it. So that I love that um kind of off the beaten path and uh really complicated but i love is nations uh, which essentially you're building a nation um a civilization and then uh the third the third one that we play a lot in our household uh i don't love but uh it's just a good fun game um maybe i'm just burnt burnt out on it but danielle like it's her go-to. Is Small World?
2: Um, oh yeah, Small World.
0: So that, that that's probably the third most played in our household. I'll put it that way. So
2: yeah, those are good games. I I really like Dominion because you can. Uh, it's a different because you can. The thing about Dominion is you pick which set of cards you're going to use each time, and it's it's completely different depending on completely different strategy depending on which cards you check you pick.
1: Actually, I, I, I forgot to mention one that you just reminded me of Trevor, that I got to play with you at one point called code names that I think is really oh, yeah. fun. Uh, I, I especially think that one's great for kids. Um, it's a word association game and they have themes so you can play Disney code names or Harry Potter code names of which uh, I own both of those because my fiance happens to love Disney and love Harry Potter as well. Um, and so, uh, it's I think that's a really really especially good game to play with a family uh and with kids because it's a lot the rules are not as uh complicated it's pretty much what word do you associate with this disney character or something like that so it's a little bit easier for them to latch on to it and it's something they uh, a theme that they already connect with so those theme games disney so-and-so harry potter so-and-so are really good for that matter
0: for sure well thank you all for listening and taking time um, obviously, this is a topic that all three of us have um, some passion about, and uh, we love uh, we'd love to kind of hear your comments and your thoughts on board games. If you have a favorite, uh, share that with one of us, um, and we'll check it out, or we'll uh, ask to borrow it from David since apparently he has more than anyone should ever have. Um, but I we hope have, this is.
2: I don't have Nations though. That's one I've never played, so we'll have to come to your house to play that.
0: Once the uh, social isolating is done, we'll do that. Um, But we we hope that this has been kind of meaningful and something to kind of think through of how you can spend time, quality time with family and friends uh, during this time. And know that we're praying for you. And if there's anything we can do, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks.